Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big thank you to everyone who showed up to the rec room last week in Toronto to watch uh, the Steve Dangle podcast, to watch the Agent Provocateur show, and of course, the Chris Johnston show. It was, I, I couldn't believe all the people who were there. Uh, CJ could barely leave the venue because he was mobbed by so many fans. It was incredible. So thank you. Thank you all uh, for buying tickets and being at the SDPN all-star takeover what a fun time siege it was honestly like it blew my mind that that not only for one show but for a second day there were that many people inside the rec room i had so many great like personal touch points with fans of our show you know at the risk of leaving anyone out you know i talked to a guy who was telling me he was living in qatar uh when we launched our show and that you know, he's a runner himself and he had to get up super early to, to run there because of the heat. And he looked forward to his Friday morning runs at, you know, whatever time it was, 4 or 5 a.m. Because our Thursday show uh, with the time difference would land around that time. And so we would be along for his runs. You know, a number of 100 percenters, some that had driven in from Belleville, you know, which is a couple hours drive from Toronto just to be part of the show. Um, a lot of aspiring younger folks in our industry that that hope to mimic what we're doing and, and everything in between. So it was, I mean, not to, not, not to pat ourselves on the back, but it was like truly like felt lifted up by love in the room there those couple days. And, and, you know, really, I thought it was an exciting weekend in Toronto uh, all around. It, it was, it's cool to have the all-star game. I think, look at variety is the spice of life. There's not one answer. There's not one formula or anything like that, but, you know, being in a traditional hockey market, I think did give a little added atmosphere and energy to the event. Obviously so many NHL folks are based in Toronto. The league has had office here. A lot of agents and media members are based in Toronto because it's a common place to be able to make your living doing those jobs. And um, there was just a whole bunch of stuff going on and uh, I'm still trying to get my voice back, Julian, even though I've been pounding the tea here for going on four or five days. Uh, a wise man once told me to mix in a little water. I think you should do that. I've been doing that too, man. Trust me. This isn't uh this isn't actually a reflection of of poor off ice decisions. It's I just got like a cold I couldn't shake. And um I went to bed I think Sunday night at like eight thirty, which for me is unheard of. Uh but I just Oof. was I mean, first of all I had to get up early and I'm know we're gonna get into this to drive to London, um, you know, for everything that happened down there on Monday, but I also just residual effect of the all star weekend and and trying to get my voice back and Slowly but surely, I should have it by next week at, at the rate I'm going. Uh, two questions about the weekend before we talk about Hockey Canada. Um, what did you make of the entire All-Star festivities at Scotiabank Arena, the game, the skills competition, and the rest of that experience? Honestly, I think it's a sign that the All-Star game could be back. I mean, I don't want to be going around making huge statements because 
you know, there's not going to be an all-star game in 2025 because of the, the four nations tournament that they're going to have 2026. There's hope to have it, but I don't know where that's going to be just yet. I know places like Edmonton and Detroit, Seattle, you know, places where there's been a new arena, I think are kind of among the group of teams that would be there next. And so it's hard for me to predict two years from now, if, if I'll be able to say that, yes, it's back fully, but you know, my big takeaway, honestly, is the players put on a show. They all seem to want to be there. I didn't, I didn't sense, I don't know, much angst or I didn't hear any complaints uh, about it all. There could be all kinds of different reasons for that. I think one thing the league's done well the last few years is they've added a bye week So even the players on, on all-star break do get time away to, to go on a vacation or just downtime to do whatever they want to do. If you remember, like when I was early in my career as a reporter, there were literal players that were willing to sit out an NHL game in order to skip the all-star game. The and Alexander so, Ovechkin suspension. I, mean, I think he's, Nicholas he's, Lidstrom might've done it once too, if I'm not mistaken, Pavel Datsuk yeah. maybe. I mean, Alex, yeah. So the point is, is that was the environment that the all-star game was sort of in when I first started covering it uh, earlier in my career. And it's just not that now. I mean, everybody was there. Everyone was in a good mood. The The media access was about as good as you could expect. I mean, I just, it's hard to find much to complain about. The game is still the game, but you know, I thought it was an entertaining afternoon and, and the skills thing worked. I think those changes were worth it. So my high level takeaway, and this is, I'm not crediting even just one thing. I think it's maybe the the cumulative effort that has gone into trying to make this more appealing uh, from, from the league level. Uh, you know, obviously Toronto put on a good show. There's lots of celebrities around if that's your thing. You know, Justin Bieber's playing live shows, um, which he hasn't been able to do much because of what he's been dealing with health wise for all the all-stars and, and the NHL's guests. I mean, I, I just, it felt like a really fun time. Uh, that that's, that's my takeaway. I, I, I sincerely enjoyed it. I think they've hit on some things that'll work and, and, you know, now that the test will be, can they do it again and again and again? And, and fortunately they're probably not going to have to, if you look at the way this international schedule lines up where you're, you know, let's hope they're having uh, Olympic breaks every four years and potentially on the off years doing full world cup breaks, you know, starting with 2028. I mean, maybe the all-star game will be a little bit more limited and, and that might actually help boost its appeal because it's, it doesn't feel monotonous or repetitive, but um, I, I really do think the league should feel good about itself leaving this all-star. And I don't think they did last year in Florida, quite honestly. I mean, it was fantastic weather. I'm not saying people didn't have fun there um, in, in South Florida, but this, this felt like a better executed event from top to bottom. Um, and yeah, let's see where it goes next. What about you? The, what do you think? This was your first one. Siege, I got to tell you, I had a blast. I enjoyed uh, working there, getting to cover stories, getting to talk to players, live blogging the event. I really enjoyed the skills competition. That was my favorite part of uh, the actual All-Star experience. Uh, being in the same room as, as Michael Buble as he allegedly didn't trip out on shrooms that was that's something I, I have a lot of friends who don't care about hockey who all weekend long were just sending me video being like what the hell is this guy doing and i have to tell everyone no he was not on shrooms apparently but yeah i i really enjoyed it it was really fun i really Steve dangles the time. only source for that information that i trust now that i and saw he ended him up on tmz on for tmz <laughs> it's so weird uh but I, I really enjoyed it and i love the access to to players like you're going to the pods and everyone's just hovering around waiting for whichever player is going to pull up and everyone's asking these questions. Like, I like that. That was a really, really cool experience. Obviously, seeing uh, Lysel and home 
where uh, uh, have a, a Canucks name a logo by his nameplate and covering that story. That was that that took up a lot of my time. But uh, I there were some good memories and some good friendships and uh, meeting people who I hadn't really met before uh, that week that uh, will stay with me for a long time. I'm really grateful for that experience. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, it's funny. Your media experience is akin to if you're a young kid who gets to go to the game. You're like, I get to see everybody on the ice at once that I, you know, maybe you've only seen on video before. I mean, that's that's kind of what it's like in the media room. You're like, wow, I can interview 20 big name players inside an hour window here just by walking around one room. I mean, it's 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 pretty unique. Uh, the second question I just wanted to ask, and we can get to it real quick, just because if I was thinking of all the the people who wanted to say hi to you, take photos of you after our live show. And a lot of people asked you for advice. What do you think was the best piece of advice you gave during that weekend? Oh, man. Here's the problem with advice. Everybody wants a roadmap, but there's no roadmap. No. I'm just saying, like, that. that's... I, I, I almost seize up every time I ask because, you know, there was, like, a young guy on the second day, Saturday, who stopped me, still in high school, and, you know, it was really nice of him. And I was actually trying to put myself in his shoes because I, I, at that time was very much wanting to be doing the kind of things I'm doing today. I don't think I would have had the guts to walk up to someone like me at that time who has a job in the industry, just because I was kind of painfully shy about things like that. And like, it's like he asked and I want to give him like, I want to like touch him on the forehead almost and be like, here's what you do, bud. And it's going to like, it's all going to work out. But you know, I, I think the hard part is there isn't a map. I don't know what the industry is going to look like to be honest. And I'm very proud and happy with my career. This is, none of this is a complaint, but it's like, I feel like you're still in a battle every day to keep your spot on the team and to keep my, the jobs I have. And, you know, I don't know where it's going either. So, you know, I just think general advice that could probably work in a lot of industries makes sense. Be relentless, find opportunities, get out there and make mistakes. Um, you know, I think network and, and, you know, build out your network, but also maintain your network is, is super important because a lot of people do come back in your life that, that you maybe couldn't imagine when you're 20 or 21 years old, that, that you might get to 38 or 39. And all of a sudden you're both, you know, very involved with each other professionally. Um, you know, I think those are the kinds of things I try to say. I try to tell people to keep chasing their passions. I mean, the truth is, is obviously there has to be amount of luck to, to have success at anything. I think there has to be a certain amount of almost obsession or a relentless push towards something. You're going to be knocked down. You're going to be told it's not for you. You're going to lose a job or two or three or four. You're going to get negative feedback, but you still have to wake up and want to do it. Right. And, and then, you know, I, I think the same would be what you would tell like a young player, right? Like you're not going to make every team. You're going to lose ice time. You're going to have coaches that challenge you or teammates that challenge you you have to still get up and put in the work and keep pushing. And eventually you hope something falls your way. And so I don't think I gave any great advice because I don't know that there's perfect advice to give, but I do think, you know, any little bit that you can look someone in the eye and tell them like I made it kind of what at the time when I was their their age, it certainly felt against the odds. I don't know if it actually was against the odds. I mean, I was born in a great country to loving parents with lots of opportunities. So it wasn't like I, this isn't some like, crazy uh, story anyone's making a movie out of but it felt like I didn't know how to get in I didn't have any connections I didn't know what to do and I just put my head down and worked and here we are so I I don't know that um I don't know there is a perfect answer and that's why I hate it because it's 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 a question that's very fair for someone to ask 
people like us, but it's, I don't, I don't quite, I have never, never figured out how to answer it. And so I'm now just blabbing and blabbing and blabbing. No, I think you handled that question as best as you could. And I think you handled uh, any question that some of the younger people at uh, our event were able to ask. Uh, I think you did well with that siege. Don't be so hard on yourself. No, I, it's because I want to help, though. Like, honestly, like, that's yeah. why that's where it comes from. I'm not I'm not looking for a, a pick me up. I just like, you know, it's hard to tell someone that you're going to go through some shit and you just got to keep going through it and going through it. And then if you love it enough. I think there is a chance things could break your way. And then there's, but then there's a million unknowns that we all face every day in our life. So who knows? Uh, the other highlight I got to say too, though, just quickly is mm -hmm. also on the Saturday, a, a young guy was, uh, he's a goaltender. He had a goalie sweatshirt on, you know, asked to get a picture and, and his dad and him had seen me running one day and he tried to get his dad to stop the car. And his dad's like, I'm not going to stop the car to bug this guy. Uh, so it was nice to actually meet up with him too. So, it's it's cool to meet the fans and and you know I trust the SDP and we'll be that we'll be doing more live type shows because I mean that was that was just straight up a blast. I know a lot of work goes into planning that I had nothing to do with. I just I'm just told to show up at a time and I could barely manage that. Um, but you know I'm grateful we got the chance. Yeah, you, I'm glad you just made it on time. <laughs> barely. <laughs> Anyway, thank you to everybody uh, who attended uh, our live show. And uh, as always, thank you to the fans who listen to our show and subscribe to our show. We really appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and love you this episode of the chris johnston show is brought to you by liquid iv staying up late hanging out with friends yelling at the game on tv you do a lot over a big weekend so when it's time to start another big week celebrate hydration monday with liquid iv i was in toronto a couple of days ago for the big show that cj and i had and i needed to hydrate really Really, I need to hydrate, and I'm so glad I had those liquid IV packets with me. You get yourself one little packet, 16 ounces of water. You open up the packet, you pour it out, you stir it up, and you get some delicious flavors. I have the white peach, which is pretty good. The lemon lime is also pretty good. The green grape, I thought that wasn't going to be as good as the other two flavors. That's actually my favorite one. And I, I feel great when I take it. I feel hydrated. A lot of people like to take these before their daily workouts as well. So that way they can keep themselves from feeling run down. There's no artificial sweeteners. It has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, eight vitamins and nutrients, and non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. It's pretty good. Weekends are for going wild. Or hey, maybe you're a guy who likes to get down in the week too. That's fine. Have a game plan for your Mondays or your Tuesdays any day of the week with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Johnston at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Johnston at liquidiv.com. 
uh, we now have to take a bit of a serious turn with the podcast because we have to talk about the events of Monday. Uh, CJ, you drove to, I don't know how you got to London, but you were in London uh, to hear from London police for the first time since uh, charges were laid upon five players from uh, the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team uh, in connection to the alleged sexual assault from that time. What did London police say? Let's break down what was said, what's out there, and everything that happened that day. Well, I mean, there's a lot of words spoken. I, I don't know that there's a ton that was learned, although, you know, that's not entirely fair. We got the exact criminal charges that had been placed, uh, spelled out by the London police chief. You know, I also got there Monday morning in time for the, the brief court hearing that was had, which is so-called first appearance in court. Um, none of the players charged uh, was physically in the courtroom. Actually, none of the lawyers representing the players charged was because it was more of a formal hearing. And, and you know, now the, you know, basically the evidence that the Crown has will be sent out to those players as lawyers. And the next hearing is is scheduled for 12 weeks from now on April 30th. So they've got that intervening time to obviously scrutinize that evidence and build their own cases. I'm sure, you know, there'll be questions about some of the things in there, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that that was, you know, I hadn't been in, in court in quite some time. I was actually... I was thinking the last time I was in the courtroom, I was I was a potential juror, call it five or six years ago. I didn't end up getting chosen for the jury, but I was in the courtroom possibly to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's it's interesting to be in that situation. Uh, and then, but, you know, really the, the main part of the day probably was the afternoon press conference where you have the, the chief of police in London and, and the lead detective on the case, you know, fielding a whole ton of questions. Um from the, the assembled media there, obviously apologizing as well to the alleged victim in this case, uh, which was probably the most notable. That would be your newsy takeaway, if you will. Uh, at least that was mine. And, you know, there's a lot of questions they couldn't answer. I mean, like the real question, everybody, if you will boil it down, wants to know is how do you have a case where, you know, someone believes they're sexually assaulted in June of 2018. Um, that person and a parent go to police within a day, an investigation is launched. It's closed a year later. It's reopened in 2022 and it's still early 2024 before charges are filed. I mean, th that timeline is going to be, I think pretty uh, important to whatever happens next from a legal standpoint. And for that reason, you know, the police just weren't able to answer many questions about why it would took so long. You know, they noted it's not two investigations. It was one investigation that was closed and reopened so it's, they can't really go back and say what happened in 2018 and up until the point that the case was shelved in 2019 because that's part of the active investigation you know the, the detective dan did um reveal that there was new evidence that was uncovered um in the meantime and that they were able to talk to some different witnesses than they had in the in the first um whatever you call it leg of the investigation so maybe there's a hint there but yeah, it was it was quite an event. I'll, I mean, it just it, the one local reporter said to me, "The circus has come to town." I mean, there was I think over seventy media members in the room, fourteen or fifteen television cameras. Obviously, a number still photo you know photo re reporters there taking still photos, and then um, all the media types like myself. It was it was a big big event. Uh, I think it reflects the interest in the case, 
and I don't suspect that's going to change as, as long as there are developments and things that keep uh, happening in London. I think that uh, reporters will be, be trekking there en masse to, to record what happens. Um, anything else as a, as a major takeaway before I uh, ask about uh, Bill Daly uh, confirming to you and Ian Mendez about uh, salary cap relief for the Flyers, the New Jersey Devils, and the Calgary Flames, all who have players who have been implicated in this scandal? Yeah, there's not a whole lot else. I mean, I think it's notable that the, the police did confirm that the alleged victim has cooperated from start to finish. And, and you know, there was a victim statement read um, at Monday afternoon's press conference, which highlights how difficult it is to be a victim in this case and obviously asked for continued privacy um, for that individual and her family as, as this goes along. Um, because, you know, really that, you know, that's, that's essential. I think if this is going to continue forward, you know, the, the police were asked specifically because a civil lawsuit that was filed in 2022 uh, mentioned that there were eight players in the room, obviously five players uh, were charged in this case. Uh, Michael McLeod had two counts of sexual assault, Alex Formanton, Dylan Dubé, Carter Hart, and Cal Foote each had one count of sexual assault uh, in terms of the charges. And what the detective said is basically they've laid all the charges that they had reasonable grounds to file at this, at this point in time. Um, but she did not, she being the detective did not confirm whether there could be further charges or if that's still pending, you know, there was some, I guess, information that in, in that, but, but really, you know, I, I, I think we have to tread carefully here and, and I know this won't be the last of when we speak about it. I'll, I'll point you to though, that, the next hearing not coming till April 30th is, is on the other side of the NHL's regular season. And, you know, this is, this is not a hockey case, but there's obviously a hockey bent to it because we are a hockey podcast. Um, you know, it'll, I think we'll be watching to see as time goes along, how the NHL teams react and whether they're issuing qualifying offers in June to these players or not, even if there isn't yet much clarity in the judicial process, because you know, I think it's quite likely that there won't be much clarity by June, uh, but we're going to have to wait and let that play out a little more. Let's get to um, the salary cap relief that will be given uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers, the New Jersey Devils and the Calgary Flames as a result of, of, of what's transpired. Uh, you and Ian Mendez worked on that story for the athletic. Uh, what can you tell us about how that will work for those teams? Well, essentially, the, the players themselves are being paid uh, well on leave from their teams. There's precedent for that. Slava Voinov's probably the most obvious case when he was going through his legal situation in Los Angeles. He was on paid leave for a period of time until that uh, judicial process played out, and he ultimately had his contract terminated. Um, in this case, you know, the players are being paid, but the teams are not being penalized uh, for the fact that they're not they're unavailable to, to play on the roster. They're essentially deemed non-roster players. And what that means is there's additional salary cap space available to replace them, which isn't always the case. I'll give you an example. If a player gets suspended for five games, um, you know, the team typically would have to recall someone uh, to replace that player in the lineup, or maybe to, to just have another extra in the lineup, but they, they don't get additional salary cap room to do it. And so, if a team didn't have the space to recall a replacement, then you, you, you know, almost too bad. You don't get a replacement. This is different circumstances. I mean, this incident alleged incident happened, you know, before these guys were in the NHL, um, you know, and so 
really it's just to to keep the the teams potentially from having salary cap challenges now in the in the individual cases of these teams i don't know if it matters so much uh just because of where they're at the the, the devils i'll just start with obviously michael mcleod and, and cal foot were members of that team um first of all they don't you know mcleod makes a little more than two million on the cap foot was you know, basically a league minimum type of player but the devils were already in long-term injured relief to a significant degree with dougie hamilton among others out there so they they, they do possess a fair amount of salary cap space. And I, you know, I think that they will be a team that will look to add as the deadline gets close, but you know, I'm not saying they can't use a little bit more, but it's, it's not significant enough for me to say, okay, this is some advantage. And then you look at, at Philadelphia. Well, they've recalled Cal Peterson to replace Carter Hart and net, you know, Peterson makes 5 million against the cap. Carter Hart's a little under four. Uh, and it's not to say they couldn't call, you know, recall another goaltender within their system who makes less that, and that they could, sort of achieve uh, maybe a, a net win in terms of being able to add more assets. But also I think Philadelphia, like Calgary, who has Dylan Dubé on the roster, those are likely to be teams that are selling at the deadline. I mean, I suppose there's a world where that doesn't happen, but I mean, in Calgary's case, look, you've already traded Lindholm um, and Zadorov away in the season. You have other players that are of interest from other teams. I mean, it's sort of clear what's going on there. Philadelphia has had so many players on the market for so long, but remain in the playoff hunt. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. So, you know, I think ultimately if we look at the individual examples, case by case, the teams aren't really getting quote unquote advantages by this, but the league has ruled that, that because of the circumstances that led to the players being unavailable to them, they shouldn't be penalized for it either. Okay. Uh, well explained. And uh, we will continue to follow the hockey Canada story as more things develop. You mentioned New Jersey. I do want to stay there for a moment because if we can, uh, I'd like to do some kind of a pulse check. Uh, Jack Hughes yesterday practicing with a non-contact jersey, and then earlier on Tuesday, he's practicing in a regular jersey. He was out for quite some time with an upper body injury. It looks like he might be closer to actually returning. But this is a team that is outside of the playoff picture right now. There are a lot of expectations expected for this Devils team that surprised a lot of people last year what's your sense of of the vibes uh I, I guess beyond what we just discussed in our previous segment but with the rest of the team and their aspirations to make the playoffs well the vibes have to be immaculate when you're talking about bringing jack hughes back in the lineup and you know i, I think it's notable that jack hughes traveled to toronto and helped his brother quinn select the team at the, the all-star draft on thursday night but then returned to new jersey uh, to resume, you know, whatever workout skating rehab program he's doing um, because he is so close to a return. And in fact, you know, it sounds like it's possible he plays Thursday when the, the flames uh, are in New Jersey to, to face the devils. And so, you know, yes, the devils have underperformed to some degree this year. Uh, they haven't taken another step forward after taking a gigantic leap last year. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that injuries have been a significant part of what's happened there. Not having Hughes available, not having Dougie Hamilton for, for a couple months already now, you know, is, is, you know, those are significant blows to a team. And so I think, you know, Hughes coming back and, and a chance maybe to, to, to make a bit of a push for them to, to get back in, in the playoff race a little bit more firmly uh, in the run up to March 8th, it would be a, a welcome sign. And, you know, I, I think the devils are a team that will, will likely go out and, and get a defenseman before the deadline. I still think that they're going to consider upgrading a net, although it, 
I mean, when you figure out what's going on around this league with goaltenders, please send me a note and let me know because it's it's not the, the clearest of picture from, from on any given day, but certainly New Jersey is among the teams that have most aggressively, I would say, or been out there looking at what's available, talking to teams, weighing the options um, because they're, you know, right near the bottom of the league and team save percentage. So, you know, I, I think that the vibes are trending in the right direction as we start looking ahead a little bit towards spring, not quite spring, but we got the sun up here in Toronto today, Julian. So I'm feeling spring like, and you know, it's going to take a great push by the devils, but I think we're going to have awesome playoff races this year. Um, you know, one thing, if you remember last season, especially in the Eastern conference, the basically the eight teams were locked in or you, there may be a group of nine that were in play into March, but you know, the only question was seeding this year. I think there's, there's legitimate question about who's getting in, who's getting out. And it's possible a team, that had big aspirations like the devils, you know, doesn't find their way in. I mean, they still got lots of time, but you just got to feel like someone's going in for a heartbreak here. And well, I don't cheer for heartbreak. I do think it makes it pretty damn compelling as we watch it all unfold in the next couple of weeks. Uh, one more thing for us here on uh, the early week edition of the CJ show, we'll get to ask CJ questions later in the week. Uh, but uh, the Oilers will play against the Golden Knights on Tuesday night. The Oilers have an opportunity to equal the 92-93 Penguins uh, for their 17-game winning streak. Do the Oilers do it, yes or no? Come on. I, I got to hit you with at least one prediction opportunity. Uh, I'm going to go with no. Mm, I hate okay. for them that this game comes the first game after the all-star break on the other side of the continent from where dry side on and, and McDavid were. And look at, I know every team travels and blah, 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 blah. So only the all-star game, but I just feel like it's not the optimal way to go into this kind of game. And you can imagine, I mean, look at, it, it's just a big divisional game too. I mean, Vegas, um, you know, that that's a team that's dealt with its own share of injury troubles this year and, and challenges. Um, but I, it's, it's a tough building to play in. Uh, T-Mobile Arena, the Golden Knights will have read all the press clippings about how they can be, the, you know, subject to this seeing a rival, a team they beat out in the playoffs last year, set this record. I just don't think it sets up in Edmonton's favor. And obviously a lot that's had to go Edmonton's way to win 16 in a row to begin with. So I hate making that prediction and I will wear the egg and the and the, the, the Joker's hat if I'm wrong. Um, but I, I, I don't got a good feeling about this getting to... 17 games or beyond for the Oilers. I don't know if it'll get to 20, but I've, for whatever reason, I feel as if it's going to happen. I think they're going to win over the Golden Knights and they're going to at least tie it. I don't know. Just look, the Golden Knights had a bit of a layoff too, right? I, I, I yeah, think yeah. They, have to, they have to deal with that as well. So I, I think at least for Connor McDavid, while the team says that they're not thinking about the streak, I think they've been playing at such a high level for all those guys to keep themselves going. Like I, I could sort of see it at least for one game, but, and then maybe they, I don't know who they're playing after uh, Tuesday night, but I could see them. I could see them kind of falling at the wheel, but I could see them tying it tonight. I'm going to say yes. But the Golden Knights didn't have their main players at all-star. I don't know. I just think that they're playing at home. It's just a little more settled. They probably had more skates together back since, you know, their last game. I don't know. It make your arguments make perfect sense. The thing is, we cover a sport that nine times out of ten just doesn't make sense. So that's why I'm picking the order. <laughs> Come on, really. it makes sense more than nine times out of ten. Fair, for one time out of fair. ten. 
You're right. You're right. You're right. But no, nah, I just want chaos. Yeah. I mean, look, it's been, a, it's an unreal run and you know, the NHL's record book is a difficult thing to navigate. There's been different, you know, tie breaking formulas. There were ties once upon a time. Uh, wasn't always three on three overtime form. Like there's all sorts of permutations that say we're not comparing exact apples to exact apples when it comes to the 92, 93 penguins and the 23, 24 Oilers. But nonetheless, whatever it is, it's, it's still an incredible achievement. The fact they had an eight game winning streak too. That's what kind of blows my mind. I mean, any good or great team, you know, things come together for a period and you, and you get hot, your goalie gets hot, whatever it is, everyone's the power plays clicking, but like, Edmonton has done two extended runs now, uh, which I think is very difficult to do. And there's still so much of the season left. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. You you can't choose when this comes, but you probably would want it a little later if you're the Oilers, because you just wonder whenever it ends, however it ends, like, like what, what kind of lag comes into play after that happens. We'll be back uh, later this week with a brand new edition of the CJ show. We try to keep it short and sweet. Uh, Hopefully I sounded okay. I'm at the TD Garden Media Workroom. Uh, seemed like it was okay on our end if you were able to get to this point in the episode. So <laughs> thanks you, for being uh, patient with whatever issues there? I had. Never been there. I felt like I felt like lost like the entire time, like trying to walk through the arena and the the practice facility yesterday. Um, but I found my way here, so it, it worked. Some- some of the most memorable games I've covered in my whole career have been in that building. I've got a lot of affinity for TD Garden. I know it's it's uh, it's it's a, it's getting to be an older rink, and you got to share the media elevator with the garbage cans and all that stuff. But yes. despite despite some of those uh, you know work related challenges, you know it's not as pretty to the eye, but it's man, it, it gets loud in there. I love the vibe in Boston for big games, and um, you know they got an elite candy bar in the press box, Julian. So. Maybe mix in a workout this afternoon because you, you you will have the opportunity, not saying you need to take it, but you will have the opportunity to eat some sweets later tonight when you go to that game. Boston, I gotta say, I gotta say, if if this if this if this is true, Boston will enter my top five NHL cities. I trust me, it's like an elite. If you like candy or like cupcakes and things like it's there's a lot of there's a lot of sugar in that press box, brother. That's all I'm gonna tell you. <sighs> Jeez. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'm glad I'm doing this intermittent fasting. Anyway, <laughs> uh, subscribe. <laughs> There's subscribe. also Whole Foods around the corner. That's usually where I get lunch there. So if you want to, if you're looking to kind of counterbalance things, the Whole Foods is maybe a 10 minute walk or eight minute walk from the rink. And that there's lots of good food options in there that are a little healthier. I'm going to take you up on that. Uh, in the meantime, everyone watching or listening to this podcast, subscribe to our show. We'll be back later next week with a, later this week, uh, presumably the Thursday or the Friday, provided I get to be in a hotel with good Wi-Fi. Uh, we'll be back with a brand new episode of the CJ Show. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie. 